Hello, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Unstoppable Rise, a resource that helps motivated individuals press on towards the mark of self-actualization using none other than a combination of old school wisdom and new breed tactics to achieve this end. My name is Sim, and today the topic we have at hand are going to be about some truths. So a couple months ago, I put out an episode talking about 10 harsh truths about life that you'll encounter when you become an adult. And that episode was well-received, more well-received than I thought it would be. And I got some feedback about it saying, yo, this episode was great. It was awesome. Got a lot of awesome tips from it. Got a lot of insight from it. And I even had some of my friends tell me the episode was great. And it caused them to think about things in a new way. And then I started getting more feedback saying, am I going to re-record a similar episode to that? And originally I thought no, because I didn't want to just retread old ground. But as I thought about it more, the topic of things you'll encounter in life is very vast and you can talk hours and hours about it. So I decided to do a new iteration about this. And this is the 10 harsh truths about life part two. And as I was going through this and thinking about some of these, I thought to myself, I said, wow, you know, some of these really are really relevant to personal success and productivity and working. So these sets of truths are going to be oriented towards your work life and personal success and asserting yourself in the world as a productive and pragmatic person. So the last set of truths, I would say, are more overall life truths and things about uh, your overall psychology and relating to people and just things that happen to you. And I would say this is more about things that you happen to the world, (laughs) if that makes sense, Uh, giving you some ways to think about so you can express yourself in a more impactful fashion upon the world. And these sets of truths, again, I came to a conclusion from my own personal experience and your own personal experience may differ, but uh, a lot of people on here, on Quora, on uh, just life in general will resonate with these, like the last sets of truths I think resonate with. So uh, I think this set of truths you'll find very uh, enlightening or eye-opening or just a reminder said, yeah, this is this is along the lines of what I've experienced before or I've had a taste of that. And if you're in your early 20s and you're just starting to really progress in the world, uh, I think these will really help you out a lot because <laughs> I took a lot of hard knocks. Uh, that's why they call the school of hard knocks. I took a lot of hard knocks in my early 20s and late teens, and this is how I arrived to these conclusions. So disclaimer, um, take these with a grain of salt, but I think as we enter 2020 and we're in December now, as I'm recording this, I think these are something to really think about to really, uh, bolt onto your personal philosophy so you can make a hard impact and express yourself in 2020. So let's get started. Uh, First one, first harsh truth is intention doesn't matter, outcome does. So a lot of people have 
the intention to do things. They intend to do this. They mean to do this. And that's all well and good because obviously if you don't have intentions, then you can't do anything purposely. So intentions are good. But intentions don't create results. Only action does. Only doing things does. And this is why a lot of people have goals, they have wishes, they have dreams, but how you implement those, the system you use to implement those is more important than those goals, dreams, or ideals. And I would argue, and someone like James Clear would argue in his book, Atomic Habits, he does, I would argue that even if you didn't have a goal, if you progressed in a certain direction or had a certain system, you would still achieve that goal regardless. You may have not had that goal consciously, but um, it's still going to happen because the actions led to that just made it inevitable. So for example, um, here's a anecdote from my life. Uh, when I was in middle school, I was uh, involved in a lot of different sports teams, sports activities. And there was this one time where there was a basketball tryout happening, basketball tryout for the team, for the varsity team. And I was trying out and I had the intention of doing everything right. Having my free throws right, having my setup right, driving towards the basket how I should, dribbling how I should, everything. And I had no intention of joining the basketball team. Um, I just joined it or I just tried out for it because the other people in my carpool were in the basketball, were in the basketball tryouts and they thought they were going to be on the basketball team. So I didn't want to just wait around for them to finish practice or games. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to end up trying out. So I tried out, I made sure I did everything right. I made sure I did everything good and I made sure I executed well. And I ended up getting picked for the team and they did it. And that's no knock on them. Definitely no knock on them. And that's no ego boost to me. But I would say that looking back on it, I just executed well on saying, I'm going to do this to the best of my ability. And I'm not even going to try and aim for just getting, I couldn't even care. I couldn't care less about getting on the team. Um, But that just ended up happening because I used the system of practicing every day and making sure I did everything right. And the end up end goal was being on the team. So Eventually, my mom just said, you know, you're going to stay on the team. You're going to be on the team. You're going to be a member on the team. And we'll find out some way to uh, have accommodation for you to get home. And that was another boost to my uh, young self-esteem because it was like, okay, well, we've achieved the goal. We don't know how we're going to provide for it, but we're going to make a way. And uh, that's great. So again, the system matters more than the intention, more than just the, the nebulous goal you have in your mind of being somebody or doing something, right? So if, you, if you're consistent and you act consistently every single day, then you will have a result. So first harsh truth. Intention doesn't matter, but outcome does. And this flows into the second one, paradoxically, is you need goals. 
goals are what direct your life. Goals are what set the stage for everything you're going to achieve in life. And something to ask yourself, especially as we head into a new year, a new decade, a new season, is are your goals, do you even have goals? And secondly, are your goals really yours? Because a lot of people have been programmed by their parents, by society, by their peers, etc., etc., to have goals that aren't really in their best interest. So an example you see a lot is a parent pushes their child to go in a certain direction, do a certain career, marry a certain person, yada, yada, yada. But those goals don't belong to the person. So they end up unconsciously moving towards that goal, even though that's not how they want their life to end up. So the best summation I've heard of this is if you don't have goals, then someone else will set your goals for you. That's it's just inevitable. And in psychocybernetics, Maxwell Maltz states that humans are goal oriented machines. We're always looking for something to achieve. So if you don't consciously set out to achieve something, you'll just be used as a tool to accomplish someone else's goals. And no one wants to be used. No one wants to be the low man on the totem pole, but this happens to thousands and thousands of people every day where they're just like, oh, I'm working a nine to five. I don't feel appreciated, blah, 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 blah. But they don't have a goal to upgrade their skills and move into a new line of work. So they're just end up being used as manpower, as free labor to accomplish the goals of people on top. So that's the second one. You need goals because they provide a target to aim at and they provide clarity in the ambiguity and gray area of life. This also leads into the third one, which is so beautiful. I love how all these are connecting so far. Uh, the third one is wanting is not doing or having. And this goes back to the first one is your intentions don't matter. So you can want something. Everybody wants something. Everybody wants to achieve something. I want a million dollars. Everybody wants to be wealthy, famous, thin, uh, popular, all this stuff, whatever, whatever goals or whatever desires people have. Everybody wants uh, a better life than they have now. But not everybody achieves it because it's not the same as doing something and having something. So obviously you need action. You need to take action. And things aren't just going to materialize by themselves. It's not, we don't live in a magical universe. And going back to what I stated in the last episode of what Charlie Munger said, he said, he said this, this quote will always be funny to me. He said, the universe is not enough crazy of a place to, to, to reward undeserving people. And every time I think about success and achievement, that, that is so true for the most part. Um, you know, there are exceptions to this. Definitely, uh, definitely have people who are in positions of privilege and all that stuff. But for the majority of people, I mean, if you don't work for it, you're not going to get it and you're not going to have it. So, uh, you can say you want a million dollars, but okay. How are you going to make that happen? How are you going to make that happen, bro? Like <laughs> you're just going to wave your magic wand and wave your millionaire magic wand, just conjure up a million dollars. And, you know, uh, I think this point is, it's so great. This, this is awesome. This point leads into the next one, which is, uh, 
if it was easy, every everyone would do it. <laughs> and you've heard this before. I'm pretty sure you've heard this before. But it's so true. It's so true. I mean, like, going back to the third one, if everyone had a million dollars, or if everyone could contra a million dollars, a million dollars would become the new standard. So uh, there would be a, another standard for quote-unquote millionaire status. Uh, if millionaire standard was the new middle class, then everyone would have to... Or being a DECA millionaire, having $10 million would be the new millionaire status, right? So uh, that's why things are above average or extraordinary because the average is just the standard point. And the standard point is uh, just as naturally lazy creatures, human beings and animals, we want to take the path of least resistance. So we take the easy route. And easy means everyone else is going to do it. And what are what are some examples of easy? Um, some examples of easy uh, from a detrimental standpoint would be using a credit card. Anyone can use a credit card. I mean, it doesn't take genius. You just swipe it or put your number in and that's it. It's easy. It, it just gets charged to the card. But the flip side of that is, okay, you can charge it to the credit card. You can charge $1,000 to your credit card for buying a sound system or a flat screen TV or whatever, but you actually have the money to pay for that. And most people don't. So that is hard. Uh, having $1,000 to just whip out on entertainment like that, most people don't have that. So uh, they opt for the easier option of putting things on a credit card. Another example of easy, eating fast food, and sitting on the couch, vegging out, watching Netflix or TV versus eating healthy food and having a regular exercise routine. Uh, there's a reason why people who are ripped or jacked or whatever are looked up to because it's not easy to achieve that. It takes a lot of considerable effort to achieve that. And people know that. People know that effort is to be rewarded and lauded. But we've reached this point where we think everything should be just applaud, applauded because uh, we don't want to offend people. But the fact of the matter is uh, you have to provide value. You have to be productive. And one example of providing value or just being a productive person is just being able to take care of yourself, being able to care for yourself and be able to be conscientious about the input and impact you're having in the world and being on a diet and being and just caring for yourself physically and your physical, mental, emotional health. Uh, that's how you provide value and that's how you broadcast to the world that, hey, I'm a person worth caring about. So... Um, yeah, that's how you have, that's how you build up levels of self-esteem. That's one portion of self-esteem saying my existence on this planet is tangible and it matters. So I should be treated as if I matter because, you know, you do. So, uh, that's the fourth harsh truth. If it was easy, everything or everyone would do it. And I would also add to that, competitive advantage lies in difficulty. So difficult things people don't want to do, that's where your competitive advantage will lie. And 
I know someone who is a software developer and uh, he, he did not start out as a software developer. He did not know anything about coding, but he read up on it and he decided to take himself to the woodshed and hash out his skills. So originally in college, he was a psychology major, but he ended up becoming a software developer and he also has a lot of other skills and he just decides to do the harder things instead of the easier things. And that's why he's in a good spot where he is today. So uh, he didn't like the outcome of his current lifestyle. So he decided to change that. And uh, he's been pretty successful so far. So hats off to him. And uh, yeah, that's the fourth point. Uh, if it was easy, everyone would do it. And I think this leads into the fifth point of you must be your own advocate. That's the fifth harsh truth. Being your own advocate, standing up for yourself, and just not tolerating disrespect. So a lot of people, when they enter the workforce, when they enter a new environment, they want to tread lightly because they're afraid of getting fired. They're afraid of rustling feathers. And I get that. When you're young... You don't really have a lot of resources of your own. You don't have a lot of money of your own. You don't have a lot of agency. So you want to tread lightly uh, with the people who do. So with your parents, um, if you've had uh, very turbulent family dynamics, you may not want to get into an argument with their parents because your parents can be Everyone has a different set of parents, but um, your parents could have been violent. They could have been uh, vengeful. They could have been narcissistic. They could have been uh, very coquettish, which means hot or cold. And they could have withheld different resources from you. And you can't, you can't afford to lose resources like food, money, all that stuff, because they have all the resources. So you do everything to please them. And... If you please them, you end up getting food, uh, food, money, affection, clothing, shelter from them. Because I know uh, some people, uh, some people I know, whenever they would get into a fight with their parents, uh, unfortunately, they would get kicked out and uh, they weren't let back into the house for, for days, which is crazy, but it's it happens. So this mindset of treading lightly, uh, not speaking up for yourself, not... Um, letting people walk over you, this uh, becomes a habit, which becomes a personality trait. And I think everyone has this to varying degrees. I don't think it's possible to really emerge from childhood without some sort of people-pleasing uh, elements to your personality, especially uh, when you're trained by the school system and you're trained by peers and all that stuff to look for validation but as you emerge into your adulthood, you have to break that to the best extent you can because no one's going to give a damn about you as much as you do because you have to wake up with yourself. You have to go to sleep with yourself. You have to live with yourself and you have to care for yourself The like you were a prized jewel. Like it's crazy to me that people care more for their cars or people care more for jewelry or fancy objects than they do for their own person which is crazy to me because these objects won't won't mean anything if there's no one t there to give them meaning so uh standing up for yourself 
uh, definitely is a huge portion of that. And I have one story about this. When I was, when I was 19 years old, I was working uh, at Target. Uh, I was working at Target as a flow team member. So I was stocking shelves and unloading trucks. And I got in, it was pretty much a thankless job for the most part. It was just manual labor. Um, so I got in at about 3.30 and sometimes I would stay there till like 12.31. And uh, sometimes I would work myself stupid just to get overtime hours and just to get that 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 cheddar cheddar that that bread right especially when you're 19 years old you want to uh make money so i would do things and i would go above and beyond and people would ask me why are you here um because there was a lot of uh there's a lot of roughnecks on that job there's a lot of roughnecks ex-cons uh derelicts people who just you know the type of people who uh you don't really see going anywhere in life. They're just working a job just to work a job, just to survive really. And those are the type of jobs that your parents say, Oh, go to, go to, uh, go to, uh, go to college or go to school or else you'll end up like those guys. That's the type of job this was. So when they saw like a college student working here, they were like, why are you working this, this job? And I pretty much just did it because, you know, I wanted to get paid. I wanted to, I wanted to make money and I wasn't afraid to uh, get my hands dirty. So they respected that. And, uh, some people respected that. Some people are just like, well, this, a college guy, I'm just going to push him around. I'm just going to, you know, uh, push his buttons a little bit. So there was this one time when I was getting off shift, my manager at that time, uh, I won't, (laughs) obviously won't say his name, but, um, my manager, he came to me and he said, you can't leave. I need you to stay. And, uh, he also said, I need you to work Sunday. What are you doing Sunday? So, uh, if I, if that was the, if that was the me at like 17, 16, 17 years old, I would have just said, oh yeah, I can, I can work Sunday and I'll stay over. But I was like, no, um, Sunday, I'm not scheduled to work. So I'm not going to be, I'm not going to work. And, I've been here since four o'clock in the morning. Um, so I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stay. I'm not gonna stay over just because you want me to stay over. And, uh, I said, you know, my shift's over. I'm getting out of here. And he didn't expect that from me. He expected me to just say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. But, uh, it's like, no, 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 no. You got me fucked up with some other guy. Uh, I'm gonna just say what I have to say because no one else is going to say, Oh, Sim, he shouldn't stay so long because he's been working pretty hard from four o'clock. No, he's no, no one else is going to say that. So I knew at that age, I just had to say, you know, I respect, I respect your request. I respect my time as well. So I'm not going to give you any more of my time and I've already done my fair share. So I'm getting the fuck out of here. And, uh, that's pretty much how I put it. And there's been many times where, uh, many other times in work, uh, in my later work life where I haven't been as, uh, stolid. Uh, I haven't been as grounded on that. I definitely just kowtowed to some, uh, ridiculous requests, but the, as I get older and as I progress in my career and as I get more, uh, leverage, 
that's what you want with negotiation because any types of these things when it comes to work is negotiation. When you get more leverage and you get more standing behind you, um, it becomes less of an incentive to put up with this behavior. And as I get older, I put up less and less with this. I get less lenient with this. I'm not as flexible about this as I was before. So that is the fifth harsh truth. You must be your own advocate. Um, and I think this bleeds into the sixth one, which is it is better to be respect respected than it is to be liked. And I think this, again, goes back to the people-pleasing programming that we all get as children. But it also comes because of we want to feel validated. We want to be accepted by the group because evolutionarily, if you weren't accepted by the group, you were just seen as an outcast, as a pariah. You have a very hard chance of being cast out and they're like, okay, go and die because you're not part of the group. You're not part of the tribe. So we have that built in to be, um, to conform really. And I talked about this in the first episode of, uh, the second season, but, um, it is, lot better to be respected than to be liked, especially when it comes to um, earning what you're supposed to earn and just being, just living the life you want to live because a lot of people are just so concerned about what other people think about them. They just want to be the nice guy or the nice gal and they don't want to be seen as like a dick or they don't want to be seen as someone who's just a killjoy. But uh, Machiavelli said something similar in The Prince where he said um, he asked the question for a king, is it better to be feared or loved? And he said it is better to be feared than to be loved because people will do things they people will do things to prevent uh, people will do things out of fear more so than they will out of love. But if you can it is good to be both, but most people will not treat you as both re being respected and liked. And I throw it back in whoever's listening to this. If you think it's better to be loved than respected, well, do you love your boss? Do you love uh, the people who bill you every month for your rent? Do you love your landlord? Do you love, um, do you love the utilities company that charges you? No, you don't love these people, but you respect them inherently because you fear what will happen if you don't, uh, if you don't pay your car bill, if you don't pay your light bill, if you don't pay your landlord, and if you don't show up to work, you fear the outcome of what's going to happen. So with inherent fear can come dis dislike, but, uh, if you can, res if you can have people respect you and they just say, you know, I don't agree with anything or most of what that person says, but I respect him for having conviction and not bowing to social pressure. Um, that is sort of irreplaceable because that is what makes up a leader. And that is what people will respect when it comes to just being a solid person. Because Obviously, love and respect are not the same. So, 
this is also the root of tough love. And this is why I don't get why some parents are buddy-buddy with their kids. If I'm a parent and my parents were like this, my parents were, obviously my parents love me and they were friends with me, but they weren't my best friend. They weren't, they, they would not tolerate a lot of the stuff that I did when I was a uh, teenager or late teen. And obviously you shouldn't because you're a parent, you have to set an example and you have to set a standard and you're just not going to tolerate certain things that your friends, your quote unquote friends would, because at the end of the day, they're responsible for you and they want you to respect them because they want to impart lessons to you. So that's pretty much what I'm trying to get at, that it is better to be respected than liked, especially if you're in a position of authority. So the seventh harsh truth is it doesn't matter where you should be, only where you are. And this goes back to number one of intentions don't matter, only outcome does. So a lot of people say, I should be here. I should be doing this. I should have been doing this if I didn't mess up, if I didn't blah, 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 blah. Fuck all that. Fuck all that. Because the only thing that matters at the end of the day is where you are right now. It only matters your social position, your financial position, your work life, your whatever. You can't go back and change the past. The past is done. And I think it was Seneca said that the past is the past is dead. You should forget it. And you should act as if the future um, is rushing towards you at a breakneck pace, which it is because every moment you spend ruminating about the past is a moment you could have been using to get yourself out of whatever situation you are. So for example, um, you may be not in a space in your career or your lifestyle where you think you should be at a certain age. Well, you can use that as fuel to say, I don't want to be here. I'm going to do everything in my power to get out of this. And this is an example of negative motivation. And I've talked about an example of negative motivation. I've made an episode dedicated solely to negative motivation. And I will link that in the um, in the notes below, because I think that's something worth thinking about um, every now and then, because uh, fear, pain, uh, these things are very effective motivators to spur to action. Obviously, they're not going to get you to the upper, upper echelons, but they'll get you pretty far. Um, there have been things that I've done um, in the past because um, fear and pain were the only things that were driving me. And that led to my success in, this, in that area because I saw the outcome of what would happen if I didn't do those things. And I used that motivation to spur action. So it doesn't really matter where you are right now. It only matters what you're going to do about it. And what you're going to do about it can only start when you put a plan into action, when you put a system into action and you execute on that system every day. And it doesn't matter uh, if you don't have a trail looking back. You shouldn't be looking back. You should just be rushing towards whatever objective you have with breakneck speed because it's rushing towards you as well. So that's the seventh harsh truth. 
Uh, eight is, um, I would say, time will expose your weaknesses. And time always does. You know, time always does. And a lot of people don't like to admit this because it creates a void of inaction. And I've been part of uh, different companies and different things where there were just glaring flaws in some sort of area. Well, actually glaring to the people internally, but externally everything looked great. But there were just small problems that built up to larger ones and they were carried by the momentum of time. And something that could have been fixed very easily if there was just a little bit of effort and determination and conscious conscious control, something that could have been deflected earlier on was just made to be a bigger problem than it should have been. And some of these problems that just ruined the entire enterprise. And one company I worked for in particular had glaring issues, but they thought that uh, their profit margin was going to expand and compensate for those weaknesses. But again, the saying, you're only as strong as your weakest link because time will expose flaws in the system or your lifestyle uh, personally that are unsustainable. Because you can do something for an hour, a day, or maybe even a week or a month. But as months and years start to build up, uh, you'll see that certain things are just unsustainable. So for example, uh, being a drug addict or being addicted to different things and different substances, that's ultimately an unsustainable lifestyle because obviously drugs don't provide any value to you in the real world. And uh, it's just over time going to expose that flaw in thinking and living because they are a downward pressure. And this is also related to instant gratification because a lot of people have an instant gratification mindset that they do, they do something, they feel great in the moment. And with instant gratification, you feel great in the moment, you feel awesome and you go up a little bit temporarily, but overall your lifestyle and your life situation takes a hit. Um, so for example, let's say you start out with 200 points. I'm, I'm just using an arbitrary example. Let's say you start with 200 points and every time you give into something instant gratification, like eating bad food, uh, taking drugs, doing things you shouldn't be doing, procrastinating, your lifestyle, your overall life structure takes a hit by, um, let's say about two points or three points. So you get minus two, minus three. And, but temporarily you feel as if you've, uh, boosted up by a hundred or even a thousand, right? You feel like you're just on top of the moon, you're on cloud nine, but that was an illusion. And you'll find that your lifestyle has taken a small hit and you're just like, okay, well, I'm just going to build it back up. I'm going to do self-care. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to get back on track. Um, and you may be able to get back on track. You may be able to restore your lifestyle account to 200 points. But over time, you'll see that 
it takes bigger and bigger hits because you're doing it more frequently. You're procrastinating more frequently. You're eating junk food more frequently. And then you'll see that you have a whole bunch of projects that aren't done and should be done. And then two, you'll see that uh, you're like, wow, I'm, I'm getting fatter. I'm, <laughs> I'm packing on the pounds. So that's one example of time exposing your weaknesses over time. So that's something to keep in mind. And uh, I would say you should have a slight, uh, you should be very vigilant with your time on the border of slight paranoia because time is irreplaceable. You can't just make more time. You can't get more time. No one can deposit time in your bank account. And once you use it, it is lost forever. So be very careful about how you spend it and how you're using it to build yourself up in the future. So that's the H heart truth. Ninth is production over everything. And this just goes back into circles. Everything I was talking about is your work, your output, your expression of yourself, your flowing out of your life essence, your, um, uh, there's many different words for this in different cultures. Uh, you're flowing out of what you impact on the world. Uh, that's the only thing that really matters because let's say you're able to uh, crank out, I'd say, uh, if you're a writer, let's say you're able to crank out like three articles or three white papers or three... Um, informational pieces for a company a day you add that up over the course of a week and you have 21 pieces you add that up for a course of a month and then you start to have like 600 plus and then you add that up over the course of a year and your production is just staggering because that's the only thing you should really be concerned with you should just be concerned with pushing more stuff out and pushing more stuff of higher quality out um this is how you're going to get promoted in your in your job in in different situations in life. This is how you're going to just become a dependable person that people can rely on because they're like, okay, that that guy, he produces, he gets stuff done. I know I can rely on him to produce a quality product, and that's a that's a good example of being respected um, rather than just being liked. Oh, he's a nice guy. Okay, he's a nice guy, but he doesn't produce anything. It's like, okay, well, this guy, this guy, I may not be, may not align with him philosophically, but he produces. I know he can produce something. I know he can lead us towards a favorable outcome. And that's, that's what, that's what we need. We need people who can lead us towards favorable outcomes. People can lead our communities, people who can lead our societies towards favorable outcomes for massive amounts of people. And that's, Again, a facet of leadership, just being able to do the things that you should do and execute on those 10x. So you deliver 10 times, uh, you exceed expectations. And someone like Grant Cardone, if you've heard of him, he talks about this in the book, The 10x Rule, which is a fantastic, another fantastic book. And I'll put a uh, link to that also in the notes. So... The last one, the 10th one, is I would say victory only goes to the fearless. And there are a lot of things to be afraid of in life. Um, losing your job, becoming being in ill health, 
losing a family member or a loved one, dying. Um, there's a lot of things that people are afraid of. That's a lot of things that everyone is afraid of. But the question is, one, do you act in spite of that fear? And two, do you even allow yourself to entertain that fear? Because a lot of fear is projection of what may happen. A lot of fear doesn't really happen in the moment. I mean, you can be scared of someone's breaking into your house, but then your adrenaline is going to kick on and you're going to be so in the moment that you don't even have the time to really be afraid. You're just thinking of fighting or flighting. That's why they call it your fight or flight mechanism. So fear is something that's created by the mind. And I was reading this book called The uh, Virtues of War by Stephen Pressfield, the same person who uh, wrote The War of Art. And it's a semi-fictional biography about Alexander's life and Alexander the Great about his life and his conquests and how he impacted the world and everything. So uh, in this one line that he wrote, I don't know if this was, uh, there's the things about this military um, fiction is that it blurs the line of reality and fiction. So you don't really know what is real and what's not, which is, I think, pretty cool. But it sounds like something that Alexander would say after reading his biography and knowing who he was as a person, this sounds like something he would say. He said that as a military commander and as a leader and as someone people look up to, fear is a luxury. Being afraid is a luxury. Thinking about what may go wrong is a luxury. And having that mindset of that fear is a luxury and being so much in action and being so much in motion that you don't even have time to really think about what may happen. I think that's so powerful because you always, the main, the main driving point of all of these truths is that action, action, motion, everything that I talk about pretty much is talking about being in motion, being in action, progressing and being pragmatic and not just sitting and navel gazing about things you want or things that may happen. And, you know, that's just like that, that, that's just spec being a spectator. And this goes back to something I wrote a long time ago. It's reflected in Theodore Roosevelt's the man in the arena speech where he talked about the credit going towards the man who's actually in the arena, who's fighting, who's actually striving towards something, who's actually putting action, who's actually in motion. The credit goes to him rather than someone who's just watching from the sidelines. And that's the main driving point of all of this, that you need to always be in some sort of motion. And human beings should be in motion. Going back to the first point of Maxwell Maltz and psychocybernetics. He said that human beings are always striving towards a goal and striving is taking action. It doesn't really matter if you fall down. The only question is, are you going to get back up? And if you don't, then, okay, that's fine. Set another goal, get back up in pursuit of another goal, but don't just sit there and do nothing because you'll find your time passing five, 10, 15, 20 years and you'll feel like a worthless bum who has done absolutely nothing with their life. And you have to progress even in spite of fear. 
because the thing you fear the most, the thing people fear the most dying, it will eventually happen. So that makes everything look like child's play in comparison. So unless you want your life to continue to suck, you got to get going, you got to keep moving. So that's the main driving point I want to drive home with all of this. So that's it. 10 Harsh Truths About Life, part two. And I hope you enjoy this one. I hope this gives you some food for thought as we progress into the new year. And I hope that uh, one of these things I said here will help you look at your life in a pragmatic way and say, you know, I want to build this habit. How do we start doing that? How do we start putting that in motion? And you may not be perfect from January 1st, but at least you start trying going towards a favorable direction. And over time, as you build that up, as you build up that momentum, you'll find that months, years later, the building blocks of those create the lifestyle that you want and the lifestyle that you want to achieve. So that's it for this one. Resources of things I mentioned in this audio will be in the link in, I believe, SoundCloud or wherever. Uh, They'll be in the links. So until next time, stay vigilant. And of course, stay in motion. Take care.